When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to the Tuesday Buckeye Talk from Zimbabwe.com. Doug Labor Reese, along with Stephen Means and Nathan Baird. We'll get to Nathan and Stephen in a moment. This is the Justin Fields Draft Pod. Nathan, Stephen, and I are going to predict where we think Fields will be picked and why. Then we discuss how next year's crop of draft quarterbacks could or couldn't influence what happens with Fields this year, whether we we talk about whether we think a, tr- a team might trade up to get him. And it's it's everything you want from people who know nothing about the draft but do know Justin Fields. That's what we're doing. But to start it off, special guest Phil Perry, good guy, smart guy, New England Patriots insider for NBC Sports Boston. About 15 minutes with him about whether Justin Fields to New England could be anything. We'll lay that down first, whether the Patriots are a logical landing spot for Justin Fields or not. Would they trade up to get him? And then after that, taking that info, Nathan, Stephen, and I will have a big, meaty Justin Fields draft discussion. Big Wednesday pod will be everybody else. Just like we did today where we would go through and we, we buzz in when we think a guy's going to go in the draft. We did that with Fields on this pod. We'll do that with everybody else. Baron Browning, Wyatt Davis, Josh Meyer, Sean Wade, Pete Warner, Tommy Togiai, Jonathan Cooper. Everybody else in, else in this draft, that will be the big Wednesday pod. But we wanted to break Justin Fields off on his own. So get ready for Phil Perry. And stick around for me, Nathan and Steven. Thanks for looking to, uh, licking. <laughs> That's not right. Thanks for listening to Buckeye Talk from Cleveland.com. Grateful to be joined by Phil Perry, the Patriots insider for NBC Sports Boston. He knows the Patriots, and we here at Buckeye Talk are curious about the Patriots. Phil, I just looked, as we record here late Monday afternoon, I just looked at your latest mock draft that you put out today. Loved it. And the reason we're having you on is, could Justin Fields be a Patriot? You do not have Justin Fields mocked to the Patriots in your latest draft. You do have the Patriots trading up, but you have Justin Fields going at nine to Denver, which makes a lot of sense to me. Let's start overall with what you think the Patriots are trying to come away with from this draft. Is there something in particular they are looking for, or are they just looking for smart value get a great player however they need to do it, and they aren't particularly locked into a position. I have, I think they have two very specific needs going into this draft, Doug, and just got off the phone with somebody talking about just how specific those needs are. They need a legitimate starting caliber wide receiver. That would be number two. We all know what number one is. They need an upgrade at the quarterback position. Those are the two spots they really need to address in this draft class because they've addressed, addressed so many other needs in free agency. Now the roster isn't great top to bottom, Doug, but they have nine, 10 picks right now. I would be surprised if they use all of those because the reality is the guys that they're taking in the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh rounds aren't going to have a great shot at making this team because when you look at it, okay, is there going to be an edge defender they get in the fourth round? Who's really going to be better than chase Winovich. Who's their third or fourth edge defender. And you kind of go through the roster that way. 
They can make a clear upgrade over Cam Newton, in my opinion, at quarterback. They can make a clear upgrade over Nikhil Harry at wide receiver. I think they're going to be interested in tackles for the future. I think they're going to be interested in corners for the future. But to me, it's wide receiver and it's corner. And I have them go with a wide receiver in the first round. Although the, the or sorry, wide receiver and quarterback, I said corner. Uh, wide receiver and quarterback, I have them going with a wide receiver. Although I love Justin Fields. And if he got to the Patriots in, into a range where they could trade up for him realistically, Doug, uh, that would be a fascinating move to me because I think he should be in the conversation for the number two overall pick ahead of Zach Wilson. And, and Phil, we got to know each other because I was briefly on a show in Boston where we're back a couple months ago or a couple weeks ago. People in Boston were starting to talk about Justin Fields. Do you, what is your feel on how interested in general you think the Patriots are in Justin Fields? And then we'll get into will he fall, how aggressive might they be to go get him? But do you think they like him? I think they do. I think when you ask people in that building who have studied under Bill Belichick and worked for Bill Belichick for a long time, what's the most important set of factors that a quarterback can bring to the table to exceed at the, or to succeed at that position? It's accuracy and it's decision-making. And it's been the same two things from Bill Belichick's mouth. He said it publicly before as well, accuracy and decision-making. And it was that way for about 20 years. This year, when we were talking about Josh Allen and when Cam Newton was on the roster, that changed ever so slightly, Doug, to decision-making and anticipation. So all of a sudden, accuracy got bumped down to number three. And I wonder if that had something to do with the fact that Cam Newton was on the roster. But he likes decision-making and anticipation and accuracy, put it all in a bowl, mix it up, and that's what they want. To me, Justin Fields is arguably the most accurate quarterback in this draft. You combine that with the fact that he's played through injury. He's got these moments on tape where it's clear he cares about his teammates. He loves the game. I love that clip. It's not, a, it's not one of his highlights, but it's become one of his highlights because he's chasing down his running back down the sideline, throwing a block at the goal line so that the guy can get in for the score 50 yards down the field. They love that kind of stuff. Do they love the release? Is it a little elongated? Is the style of offense that he played at Ohio State a perfect fit for the Patriots, which wants to kill defenses with a million paper cuts down the field. I don't think so. I mean, he's been more of a down the field kind of guy. At least that's what it seems to me. And I think that's how people are kind of viewing him in this draft class, but could they make that work? Of course they could, they could adapt the scheme to fit his skill set. He's, he's one of the most skilled quarterbacks to come out of the college ranks in the last few years, in my opinion. So I think then it, then in terms of what you like him, then it's like, can you get him? Right. He, the way everybody's talking, not, you know, the, the insiders in the NFL are saying it looks like between Trey Lance and Mac Jones for San Francisco at three. If you don't think then that he's going to Atlanta at four, now you get into Cincinnati at five is not taking the quarterback. To me, the range is six, seven, eight. You have Miami at six, Detroit at seven, and Carolina at eight. If Fields gets to Denver at nine, I think it, my, he might go to Denver as you have in your mock draft. I think that's very smart. So now all of a sudden, if you're behind Denver, and the Patriots are at 15. You have to decide, can we get to six, seven, or eight? Miami, if the right skill guy there may not be interested in trading out of six. D Detroit at seven might be interested in the quarterback. Carolina just got Sam Darnold. So let's say, I mean, who knows? I don't know if Miami would make a trade with the Patriots to let the Patriots get their future quarterback. Sure. But if he gets to Detroit at seven, in 2018, Buffalo moved from 12 to seven to get Josh Allen. They gave up two second rounders to make that move right i don't know if to get from 15 to 7 or 8 if the patriots would have to give up a future first to do it they'd have to give up some decent draft capital though bill belichick where he is in his career the way he thinks about the draft how aggressive might they be if they think we like this guy and we think we have to get in front of denver to get him it's a million dollar question i don't think he's going to pull the trigger on that kind of deal that would be my inclination to say that right now. It's not who they've been necessarily. How they have valued the quarterback position has been odd to me and to many others. Um, but I just find it hard to envision that they would give up either this year's second, next year's first, next year's first, and a third, whatever it would cost to get up and make that move. Because I think they want to win right now, Doug, and I'm not mm -hmm. sure – Aside from Mac Jones, who I think they really like, I'm not sure they believe that any of these guys that they would have to move up and trade the farm for to bring in would be ready to go right away. And so I think they're going to be patient. They're going to try to be strategic. They tried to pull this off last year. They thought they had it made. 
by grabbing Cam Newton at the last. And we saw how that worked out this year. I think they feel like even though they were bitten last year, and I'm not sure they would admit that. I think they would say, well, COVID and no off season. And there are a lot of factors that didn't work out the way we wanted, but they were bitten last year by taking that approach. That said, I think they might take the same approach and hope that Jimmy Garoppolo ends up falling to them. If the Niners take Mac Jones at three, I think Jimmy Garoppolo could go later that night. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know if that's how it would work, but if they want that second round pick that the Patriots have, that's a deal that I, I feel like could be made pretty quickly. And, and maybe there've already been conversations about that. I think Marcus Mariota is eventually going to become available. Teddy Bridgewater is eventually going to become available. I think those guys that are more NFL ready, they've been around NFL clubs. They've seen NFL defenses. I think that's what Bill Belichick wants. You mentioned where he's at in his career. He wants to win games right now. Does he want to set the team up for the future? Yes, of course. He doesn't want to leave them in shambles. But I think he feels like he has a good team as long as that quarterback position is fixed. And I'm not sure he sees the immediate fix outside of Trevor Lawrence, Mac Jones in this year's draft class. So I don't think he would make that move. As good a player as Justin Fields is, and as good a fit as he would be for any offense in the NFL, really, in my opinion, I don't think they would make that move. Do you think it's possible then, and, and we're getting a little Patriots heavy, but the Patriots are very important to the NFL and very important to football. So I think they are interesting to talk about. If Mac Jones doesn't go at three and all the betting lines and everything are starting to move towards Trey Lance at three for the 49ers, it certainly feels possible to me that Mac Jones starts to fall. Do, can you envision a scenario through serendipity, through strategy, through Bill Belichick being a genius where Mac Jones gets to the, to the Patriots at 15 or Mac Jones gets to 13 and the Patriots jump just enough to get him that like, do you think it's possible Mac Jones, who's a little bing, bang, boom, get the ball out of your hands, RPO stuff at Alabama, great playmakers, but might be able to just get in and here we go. Like, is there a part of you that thinks, man, I think there's a chance Mac Jones is going to be in New England. I think it's possible. And I think they would consider a move up for him. How far up would they go? Would they get into that seven, eight range? Would they rather try to let it play out and see if he falls all the way to 13? They just made a trade with the Chargers last year in the first round. Chargers are sitting there at 13. They don't need a quarterback. You know, that might be a more realistic move for them. I, the reason I, I don't necessarily see that either, Doug, is because I think the Broncos like Mac Jones. Mm -hmm. What I've heard coming out of Denver is that if it was between Mac Jones and Justin Fields at nine, they might actually go Mac Jones. How do they feel about Trey Lance? I don't know. But I think the Broncos also like Mac Jones. What's funny is that the league is, to me, feels like so much higher on Mac Jones than many of us in the media are. And it's because we want the upside and we want the potential. And the league sees the quick decision-making and the ball security and the accuracy. And it, they drool over it. And so I'm not sure he would get to the Patriots at 15 because of the Broncos, whether the Broncos could trade, you know, they could offer more, they could offer more and get to seven. They could trade up, get to eight much easier than the Patriots could, or if he falls all the way to nine, I think they just sit there and take him. So I think the Patriots might be looking at this and not have a quarterback at the end of the first round. Would they take one in the second? Would they go with Kyle Trask or Kellen Mond? Those guys check a lot of boxes for the Patriots sec, you know, Kyle Trask, relatively accurate Mond, maybe a little bit more upside. I could see that. But the first round, it just feels like it's, it's not in the cards for them to get a quarterback this year. So I want to get this sort of opinion from a different part of the country from you, Phil, before we let you out of here. You've clearly done some work on Justin Fields. You've, you've formed, you know, in the process of evaluating this draft through a Patriots lens, you've looked into these guys. It feels like, I don't want to put words in your mouth because you're sitting here with a microphone in front of your face. I'll let you say the words. feels like you like him a little bit. And maybe are you not exactly sure? why he's maybe not absolutely going to go higher than as we sit here, it feels like he might go. I don't get it. I, I plain and simple do not get it. Why Justin Fields is somebody we're talking about potentially at different points this off season, sliding all the way to the middle of the first round. Whereas Zach Wilson, who's I think going to be a pretty good player, but Zach Wilson has been anointed the second best quarterback in this draft. And, and I get it. I think it's just because the Jets feel that way about him. And so now the conversation's over. And so we've all moved on. But in terms of truly looking at these quarterbacks and what they bring to the table, it doesn't make sense to me that Justin Fields would not be ranked ahead of Zach Wilson by most evaluators. I could see there being one or two who see Patrick Mahomes and Zach Wilson. To me, that you're chasing unicorns there. 
I've seen it with Justin Fields against high-end competition and high-leverage situations, playing hurt, playing against great defenses. I, I have not seen that against Zach Wilson. I've seen Justin Wilson or Justin Fields make off-platform throws and accurate throws deep down the field. I mean, the guy is incredibly accurate. And because Zach Wilson, I think, just has a different aesthetic, his style of play, people like the headband maybe, Doug. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Uh, Justin Fields is starting to fall a little bit here. But uh, that's just the way it goes this time of year. And there are certain teams that are going to covet certain traits. And uh, to me, I would covet the guy who runs a 4-4 and has a strong, accurate arm and, and throws with anticipation and makes good decisions and has done it against high-end competition. If it takes him an extra blink to get rid of the football, that's okay if I want to coach him up. You know, that's something that actually happens in the NFL occasionally. These guys develop. I feel like I should be able to do that if I'm in the NFL and I'm running an offense or I'm running a quarterback room. I feel passionately about this, Doug, because I think he's a special, special talent. I think he has the potential to be. I said this the other day on TV, and it's okay. It's, it sounds a little off the wall. I, th- I think he has the potential to be taller Russell Wilson. Like, I think he's that talented. Deep ball accuracy, ability to make plays on the move, ability to bail out offensive lines, ability to play in the clutch. I think he's that kind of player. And he might end up being the best quarterback in this year's class. And we're talking about him maybe sliding to the 10 to 15 range. That's crazy to me. Wilson's a comparison that I've used over time. There was a time when some people were trying to do like the Cam Newton comparison. And then Justin just throws it much more naturally than Cam does. And listen, Cam's the MVP. That's not a criticism of Cam Newton. But I I don't think Justin's quite that physical as a quarterback. He can be if he needs to be. But he's much more of a natural thrower. And Justin, really, that deep ball accuracy is what stands out. We all see Russell Wilson throw it into the clouds and 60 yards downfield, it drops right in his receiver's hands. And I do think Justin has that ability. So I do think that's an interesting comparison. I think there's some Dak stuff in there that you can do, right? You can find sure. some stuff. but And it's hard to do that to a college kid, right? But you do see the upside. And so I'm, I'm a little curious about how this all goes down, too. But I can remember, you know, again, the league makes mistakes. You know, people had questions about Deshaun Watson on the field uh, in, in 2017. And he lasts till number 12. And it's like, well, there were no on, now we know the off field questions right now. There are no on field questions about Deshaun Watson. He totally. can do everything and you want him to do. And very similar in that his, his last year at Clemson, he had a couple hiccups through a bunch of picks. I mean, you look at some of his numbers his last year at Clemson. I, I could see it. I remember feeling that way coming out of Clemson for Deshaun Watson. Ooh, is he, Oh yeah. He brings all this stuff to the table, but is he accurate enough? Justin Fields brings a lot of that stuff to the table and oh yeah, he's, he's maybe the most accurate quarterback in this class. So to me, he's, he's going to be a great player. If the Patriots move up to get him, people are going to be really excited here in new England. I just feel like the way they attack that position, Doug, um, they're going to be waiting and eventually they'll probably end up with a, with a Garoppolo or a Mariota. And I think Bill Belichick would be happy with that. I think it would be a little bit of serendipity if the Patriots got Justin Fields that way, when Ryan Day takes over for Bill Belichick in six years, <laughs> when the New England guy, New Hampshire Bring guy goes back. home. Yeah, sure. And Justin Fields is just waiting there for him mid-career, like the reunion. I know everybody, all Ohio State fans, like, since their heads are exploding. <laughs> but that's the one. Does that Has anybody ever said that? Nobody, like, I, I know nobody is, like, forcing Bill Belichick into retirement. He might coach until he's 90. But you know Ryan Day grew up rooting for the Patriots oh, yeah. every Sunday with his grandpa. That's oh, yeah. always in the back of my head. Still has family here. Yeah, no, I, I think I think um, I think people would be okay with that. The, the name you hear in terms of people coming back every once in a while is, and I don't know if the crafts would ever do this, but Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly, oh, yeah. you know, worked with Ryan Day, right? It, oh, Chip Kelly's Ryan Day's mentor, I mean, that's man. The, he that's discovered him. UNH and right, and and uh, so big time offensive mind and and program organizer and forward thinker and. That, that would be an interesting one. Uh, but Ryan Day, man, I, you know what's so funny about this? We, don't, we hardly ever talk about it. We talk about Josh McDaniels a lot. We talk about Gerard Mayo, uh, who gets a lot of hype as, as a potential NFL head coach and, and should. And maybe he ends up being the guy. But Day is not a name that has come up more often. I'm going to start bringing that one up, Doug. Thanks to you. Yeah, I mean, I'm telling you, man, Sundays <laughs> on the couch with Grandpa watching the Pats. That is a big draw. We're going to have all of Ohio coming after us here. I know. I know. We could, you and I, we'll, we'll, we'll be on a podcast again when Chip Kelly and Ryan Day are fighting for the Patriots yes. head coaching job in 2031. So I love that. Yeah. We'll, we'll get back to that then. Phil, I know you're busy. We love your time. Great insight on Justin Fields and the Patriots. Thanks so much for joining us on Buckeye Talk. Anytime, Doug. Thanks so much for having me, man.
All right, Doug Maurice now with Nathan Baird and Stephen Means. We're about to predict where we think Justin Fields is going to be picked. Now that I freaked everybody out by ending that discussion with the Patriots writer about when Ryan Day will become the Patriots head coach, Nathan and Stephen weren't on that call. This is the first they're hearing of that. But yeah, I did that to our Buckeye Talk listeners. Just I said 2031. I mean, it's uh, Belichick's not going anywhere. But I was theorizing, wouldn't it be Nathan? Wouldn't it be serendipitous if, the Patriots did take Justin Fields, and then, like in eight years, Ryan Day went, and then they could be together again. In eight years, it, when when it, assuming Justin Fields is still with the team that drafts him in eight He's a years, franchise sure. quarterback. He's a franchise quarterback. How many franchise quarterbacks change teams? Not many. If you're the guy, well, there, there seems to be debate about whether he's a franchise quarterback. So I guess we'll see. All right, so we are going to do this on on the big Wednesday podcast. We're going to do this for every other Buckeye. We're going to just start with the draft, and I'm going to say. Number one, Jacksonville, number two, Jets, number three, 49ers. And whenever somebody thinks that's where a Buckeye is going to be taken, that person's going to shout out, what should they show? Should we have a code word? Should we have a safe word? What if we shout it out? Um, Weasel. Bill Davis. Shout out Bill Davis whenever you think, because he's an NFL guy. No, just shout out whatever you want. Just say, hey, I'm not taking him here. And then that person will explain why they think that player is being selected at that pick in the NFL draft. This is not if we were GMs. This is us trying to be right. A couple of years ago, when whatever draft it was, I predicted Billy Price at number 21 to the Bengals, and he went number 21 to the Bengals, and it made my year. It balanced out nine and three. So, like, let's try to hit some here, guys. Like, like one of us should hit where Justin Fields is actually going to be picked on Thursday night. I hope one of us gets this right. Now, there are multiple possibilities this is actually pretty interesting and then again on wednesday we'll get into pete werner and wyatt davis and sean wade and baron browning and josh myers and a bunch of other interesting guys and we'll do the same thing and that's much more difficult but again i've also every now and then you hit one of those two it's like oh i had somebody fourth round of the vikings at 139 and that's where he went and you can feel like a genius this is the feel like a genius podcast so this is only justin fields are you ready Buckeye Talk GMs. Steven, are you ready? I'm ready. Are you nervous? Do you feel a little nervous? No, I'm not. I'm not nervous. I mean, you're not nervous good. about our fake draft that doesn't matter. I'm really no. nervous. I get all kinds of nervous about these things. Nathan, no. how are you feeling? You feel good? Feeling your draft? I mean, room? unlike unlike some NFL GMs, like there are no consequences to us being wrong other than like a right. momentary hit to reputation. There's some guys who are about to make either a really right pick or a really wrong pick. Yeah. So we will end up having, I think, an interesting conversation about like also where we think what number quarterback we think Justin Fields is going to be in this draft. So let's start it off. We used to do this with a bell. My daughter had a, a bell from Disney World that we would ring, but we're not going to ring any bell. We're just going to shout. Here we go. Number one, Jacksonville. Also, hey, before. <laughs> if you want to shout out and say there's a trade, that's that's allowed too. that like I'm. You know, at number two, you're going to shout it out, but you don't think the Jets are picking him. You think the Patriots are trading nine first round picks to get him. You could, you're allowed to do that. Okay, start it over. Edit this out. Number one, Jacksonville. Number two, Jets. Number three, San Francisco. Number four, Atlanta. Number five, Cincinnati. Number six, Miami. Ding. I'm taking Justin Fields at number six with a trade up because this is where I think the draft begins for Justin Fields. And this is my prediction. The Chicago Bears trade up from spot number 20. They trade up with Miami. They give up their second round pick this year and their first round pick next year which is commensurate with roughly what it takes to make moves like this. Um, in 2017, when the Chiefs moved from 27 to 10 to get Patrick Mahomes, they gave up a third rounder and a future first. In 2017, when the Texans moved from 25 to 12 with the Browns to get Deshaun Watson, they gave up a future first. So this is the Bears going from 20 to 6. I think it's, it takes more than just a future first, but I think this is where the draft starts because I don't, none of us think that Justin Fields is going four to Atlanta, which I thought was a possibility that somebody would do that. 
And here's why I'm doing this. Miami originally had the number three pick. They traded it to San Francisco. They got two future first and some other stuff out of it. They moved back to 12. Then they traded again and they moved from 12 to six to get back to this spot. And they gave up one of those future first, but there's still a future first ahead. I think the stuff you read, my, the reason Miami did that is because they, they didn't want a quarterback. So they wanted to take advantage of the quarterback market, but they wanted a playmaker. They want a playmaker for Tua. And I think the two playmakers they want are Jamar Chase and Kyle Pitts. I think Kyle Pitts is going four to Atlanta. And I think Jamar Chase is going five to Cincinnati. And that opens the door for Miami at six to be like, man, those are the two guys that we wanted to get back from 12 to six to get. Now that they're both off the board, we are open for business. And when you start jumping, I think Detroit at seven is interesting for Justin Fields in no small part. And maybe one of you guys will get into this because Chris Spielman is in the decision-making room for the lions. That doesn't mean he's going to pick all Ohio state guys, but there are two other things at play here that I am factoring in maybe incorrectly. And it's Ryan day's relationships with people. I think Carolina at eight, even though they got Sam Darnold is interesting because Ryan day and Matt rule are friends. Ryan Day also played college football against Matt Nagy, the Bears coach. I don't know that they're friends, but they know each other. The Bears, I believe in a team setting itself up. I wrote a big thing about a month ago about the Browns doing this. I believe a team in a team setting itself up around a young quarterback so that quarterback can succeed. The Bears have already done that, and their quarterback bombed. Mitch Trubisky didn't work out. But they have everything else in place. They made the trade for Khalil Mack. Right. They have Allen Robinson as a big time receiver on a franchise tag. They are still in go mode and they don't have a quarterback. So I think them jumping and being aggressive to get a quarterback who starts from day one and they try to desperately hold on to this Mitch Trubisky window by replacing him with Justin Fields. That's where I'm going with this. And I'm also going with if they think Detroit at seven might want to take him, do you want to play against Justin Fields for the next 10 years? Or do you want to play with Justin Fields for the next 10 years for a team in your division? So that's why I have the Bears as the team jumping. I think the window is six, seven, eight to get ahead of Denver at nine. And that's why I just selected Justin Fields at number six in the NFL draft to Chicago. Now, if the Bra- if the Bengals take Panay Sewell and Jamar Chase is there, I think maybe Miami says we're not trading now. If somehow Kyle Pitts falls to them, Miami's not trading now. This is a very specific scenario. People will also find, listen, and by the way, none of this is stuff we know. It's stuff we read. We're not going to pretend we're draft experts. We absorb what other, other people say. Some people think if that happens, they'll just take Jalen Waddell at six also a possibility. I'm not sure Jalen Waddle at six is the best value. And I think Miami believes in what they're doing. I think Miami can trade down to 20 at Chicago's pick and then trade back up again. And then like jump back up to like 10 to get Waddle or Devonte Smith. Right. And try to get ahead of the giants who I think everyone thinks can take Devonte Smith. So that's, I think it's complicated, Nathan. It is incredibly specific. And if there aren't like four other things that happen, it's not even a possibility. Nobody is talking about the Bears this way, which is why I like it, because I think the Bears are lurking. There was a rumor at some point that the Bears were ready to trade like three or four future first rounders to Seattle for Russell Wilson. Like, I do think they are in quarterback desperation mode, and that's why I went here. So before we'll get to you guys next to explain your scenarios, Nathan, what do you think of mine? So it was one of the ones I considered the, the things that drew me away from it were a just not being sure about the, the scenario you're talking about where uh, Sewell would not be the pick that Cincinnati makes at five. That's kind of where I'm getting a little bit hung up, but I think it's possible. I think if they take chase there, then I think that does change some things for Miami. But as it stands right now, if there's any way for Miami to get, as you're saying, pits or chase, I think they do it. Cause I think the, everything you're saying is correct, but they were able to already do something really smart, which was trade back and then trade back up and still get a playmaker to put with Tua, a guy that they just drafted in the first round last year and a guy that they're trying to maximize. That's one side of it. The other side is completely emotional. Everything you just said makes too much sense as a someone who's followed the Bears for a long time. They've never made a decision this smart about a quarterback. I'm 43 years old. I'm still waiting. They've had in the entire history of the Chicago Bears franchise, I think they've had two Pro Bowl quarterbacks. 
that's insane. So there's a part, there's emotional part of me that I think was just blocking me from thinking that the bears would do what you're talking about, which is probably the right choice. Actually, you have to mortgage. They've already done it. They mortgaged once to get Trubisky and it didn't work. I don't think that can scare you from doing it the next time. There's a even more obvious thing staring you in the face on the board. Cause the last time with Trubisky, they were trading. It was almost like they were negotiating against themselves. You might know better. My suspicion of the whole time was that another team might be lurking there. That was kind of pushing the, behind the scenes and, and maybe the bears just got duped into thinking they had to make that trade here. It's it'd be just obvious. This guy has a value better than where he's being taken. He's falling. You can e- more easily move up and get him probably cost yourself less than you did the first time to get Trubisky in some ways. Um, I just, I have a hard time believing they'll actually do it. Steven again, we'll get to what you, what you would do, Steven. What do you think of this idea of a team jumping for fields at six? I, I understand the jumping for the fields at six, but I think it's very dependent on what the Bengals want out of this draft. And I, I can't bank on that, especially when your your franchise quarterback got had a season injury last year. They might need to just value protection over target and then maybe get a target later on down the line. But Panesor is clearly the best offensive tackle in, the, in this draft. And you have to protect that asset. We all know that the Bengals offensive line was awful last year. And so, if you're in a position at five to get that guy, which as we as we all think he's going to be available, I think they might just value Joe Burrow's protection over getting him a, a target in year two. All right, but screw that part. That was too much Bengals talk, frankly. Yeah. What do you think of is six too high for a team to jump? Okay, so so so, so I took him at six. The idea, and we'll get to get Stephen. Do you think that Justin Fields? This is a yes or no for all of us. Do you think that Justin Fields will be selected by a team that trades up to get him? No, I don't. You don't. Nathan, do you think he will be selected by a team that trades up? Yes. I do too. And I do think the other thing that's complicating here, let's talk about this a little bit. Who are you guys? And, and again, can I, can I emphasize enough that we know nothing? <laughs> we know literally nothing. We, we, we could know less. We couldn't know less. There are people listening to this. If you live in Columbus and you have seen Justin Fields at Chipotle ordering his brown rice, fajita vegetables, black beans, and guacamole Chipotle salad. Actually, he doesn't get rice. He gets, he gets the salad. He gets the lettuce because Chipotle is advertising that. They have a Zach Wilson bowl. They have a somebody else has a bowl. They have a Justin then, Fields bowl. Justin Fields has, but Justin again, vegan. There's no meat in his. Zach Wilson's was very plain. Zach Wilson's was a very straightforward bowl. The bowl I get is fairly straightforward. Zach Wilson's bowl made me not want to pick him because, I, like, if I never watched that draft day movie with the fake Browns and Kevin Costner because I don't like to watch movies that are fictionalized versions of what I do for a living. I don't find it that interesting. I also never watch Moneyball. It's like, oh, sports front office movies. It's like, I don't whoa, 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 whoa. I, I talked to NFL. I talked to like GMs enough. I don't want to watch a movie about fake GMs. I enjoy both of those films in their own way, but let's not put Moneyball in the same category as draft day. I get it. I get it. That's, that's two very different things, right? That was there. a very bad movie. Well, like, I Justin watch... Fields and Gunnar Hoke both played quarterback. They were both quarterbacks, but they are not in the same category. I, I want to watch a movie about a spy. And I bet spies, when they're at home, are like, you know what I want to watch? I want to watch a movie about NFL and MLB front offices. I don't want to watch a movie about a spy. I am a spy. So I don't want to watch movies about front offices. But in that movie, didn't they didn't draft somebody because nobody went to his birthday party? So I Which think is why it was poss- a bad movie. I think it's possible you could not draft a guy based on his Chipotle order. And Zach Wilson's Chipotle order was so basic, it reminded me of myself. And I also would not draft myself to be a franchise quarterback. So if all of a sudden the Jets draft Justin Fields at number two, we'll know it was because of the Chipotle Bowl. But here's the question. Who are you guys, as you make your Justin Fields assumptions, who are you assuming the Niners take at three? Mac Jones, who had been the scuttlebutt, basically because Adam Schefter said it, tweeted it the minute they made the trade, or Trey Lance, which like the betting markets have gone from like 10 to one Trey Lance going 
at number three to like even money. Trey Lance going at number three. Steven, who are you assuming goes three? Trey Lance, because I'm just not buying the Mac Jones smoke. I'm, I just don't. I don't buy it at all. And then, Nathan, who are you assuming goes three? I think it's Mac Jones right now, because just from the conversation we had with Daniel Jeremiah last week, where he laid out a lot of reasons why he thinks the 49ers in particular and Kyle Shanahan in particular are enamored with Mac Jones. Because and he can so, do the exact same thing that J- Jimmy Garoppolo could do that lost you a Super Bowl. Yeah, like I'm not Drew, saying Drew it's a smart not thing. But yeah, <laughs> that's why I'm not sold on it. So I do think but I don't that, know that does it does it change things a lot because of the teams Justin? that are coming after that. Yeah. So that's the thing. It feels like to me, maybe this is wrong, but Mac Jones is such a specific thing, which mm-hmm. is like he's not a great athlete. He was surrounded by talent in Alabama. And I and I've saw people again to reemphasize there is not an original thought on this podcast. Everything we say comes with a footnote, and the footnote is I don't know. I saw it on Twitter. So somebody on Twitter was saying, like, if Mac Jones doesn't get put in the right system with the right coach, he's in trouble. And maybe San Francisco is the right system and the right coach. Justin Fields, if he does get put in the right system with the right coach, might be like one of the three best quarterbacks in the NFL. That it's like Justin like just has a thing that it's like, okay, well, if everything's not perfect, you still, you still think Justin Fields can succeed. It feels like Mac Jones needs it to be perfect to succeed. Maybe I'm incorrect with this, but my assumption on a lot of things is if Lance goes three, I think that increases Justin's chances of going higher. And maybe Mac Jones falls because Mac Jones is a very specific kind of quarterback. If Mac Jones goes three, then I think Trey Lance might go ahead of Justin. And now all of a sudden, Justin starts to scoot down a little bit. So my assumption in my scenario is Trey Lance has gone at three. There's no quarterback at four and five. And so now it's Mac Jones and Justin Fields. And if you want to go get a guy with upside, you got to go get him. So that factored into my decision a little bit. Okay. I've got him going at six and we will now get to what's going to happen. So we're, we're back on the clock. Pretend he didn't get picked. So here we go. Number seven, Detroit. Was Nathan or Steven, was that your sound to make a pick? That was was. your sound. So you guys both are, and Nathan, you raised your hand. Yeah. Nathan raised his hand. Nathan raised his hand and Steven said, "Woo!" so I don't know. I don't know which one gets the card in faster. You did say ding. All right. Let's start with Nathan. What do you see at seven? So Lions already have two first round picks for 2022. And I think they know they're going to stink again this year. They got Jared Goff in the trade from the Rams I think the reason they took Jared Groff was because they wanted to get the extra first round pick for 2022 because they know they're going to stink. They're, they're just not there yet. And so then the question is, would it be the Lions taking Justin Fields for themselves or would it be the Lions trading back? And I think it would be the Lions trading back. I think the Lions trade back two spots. Denver trades up from nine to seven and takes Justin Fields. All right. So that is number seven to Denver in a trade up for Justin Fields. Steven. You wooed at seven. What do you see happening? I think the Lions just take him because they do have the two first-round draft picks so they can start to build it next year. But Jared Goff doesn't seem like the long-term option. But he's a good enough option to where you don't have to play Justin in his first year if he's not ready. So if you stink, throw the guy out there that's not your long-term option that the Rams clearly didn't want it because they gave a lot more away to get uh, – What's his name? Lions old quarterback that I can't remember his name now. Matthew Stafford. Yeah, Matthew Stafford. They they gave up a lot more in that in that trade than the, what the Lions gave up in that situation. So you get your quarterback for a future. If you don't feel he's ready, you can develop him for a year and bench him and just have Jared Goff out there, and he can be the guy losing you all those games, and then you can start to build the next year. So none of us think that Justin Fields is going to fall all that all all that far, Nathan. We we have him all gone by the seventh pick 
Can you envision a scenario where that doesn't happen though? Can you, can you envision sure. where, because again, at what our friend Phil in new England said is let's say Trey Lance goes at three, nobody jumps. Mac Jones goes at nine to Denver. And now you start to get into a range a little bit of like, you're not exactly sure. And this happens in drafts. It's just how drafts work. You can hit a spot where there's just not people looking for you and everybody knows that. So nobody feels all that needing to jump. But if, if Justin Fields is not gone by nine where Denver is currently situated, Dallas at 10, they're going to get help for Dak. The Giants at 11, everybody thinks they're taking Devontae Smith. I think the Eagles at 12 is actually a little interesting. I, I, I don't think it's impossible that if he gets to 12 and the Eagles are there, that Justin Fields goes there. The Chargers at 13 aren't taking a quarterback. The Vikings at 14, I don't think are taking a quarterback. And now we're talking about, do the Patriots have Justin Fields fall in their lap? Like, it would, it would, Ohio State fans, everyone listening to this, Nathan, would hate it. But do you believe there is some, some percentage chance in your mind that, like, Justin Fields could fall to 15? Yeah, definitely a non-zero chance that it happens. And it's kind of what you're talking about where you hit a certain point. I think I mentioned this on the pod before. There's You don't have to get that far into this draft where you can start stacking up teams that don't need a quarterback. And I think the more even more likely scenario in some ways is what you were alluding to before. If the Niners do take Mac Jones at three, then you have both Trey Lance and Justin Fields still on the board for whatever team wants to trade up. And just everything we're hearing, it sounds like kind of across the NFL, like there's a very – at best, like mixed opinion on whether Lance is ahead of fields on kind of the cumulative draft board. You know what I'm saying? Like it feels like there's a lot of teams in the NFL that have Trey Lance equal or slightly above, or maybe even considerably above Justin Fields. So I think that's the scenario where I really see a potential of him dropping down into that range. I think even the Eagles at 12, I see what you're saying. I think it would be a, an interesting thing for them to consider, but that's also a, a real prime position to potentially trade down and get some value for somebody who just needs to move up three or four spots and might even overpay like new England, like would really pay to get up just three spots because um, it's just kind of falling into their laps. As you said, do you think there's a chance Steven or would you like would, Steven, would you be shocked if Justin Fields doesn't go in the top 10? No, especially if Mac Jones does end up being the guy taking at number three, I won't be shocked just because the need for quarterback changes. I mean, the top five is where the need for a quarterback is. And then obviously we'll, with the Lions and the Panthers, what they do. But after that, it is more teams who are set at quarterback and just need skill position or def- defensive guys or offensive linemen. So he might just fall. Into, if he doesn't go to set or at seven or eight, then he falls into the trap of maybe when does a team need a quarterback? And that might be 15 the next time. And if the Patriots don't take it, that might not be till late in the first round. What I think is interesting, Doug, you mentioned before, as you were kind of putting out your trade scenario and I didn't go that far into it, but like to trade from 20 to six, the bears would have to pay a pretty significant price to trade from nine to seven. Like I put out there, which would basically just be Denver, really wanting him and just thinking, well, this protects us from Carolina taking him or someone trading up to Carolina spot, or maybe we have to outbid somebody else for seven, but you don't have to pay as much to move from nine to seven. So every time he falls one, two, three spots, the price on what you'd have to pay in draft capital to move up and get him drops. So it it wouldn't shock me if it happened, but it's just, you went from someone this talented and someone that the opinion was this high on to, the, to think that he just all of a sudden plummets all the way. We've seen it before. Um, it just seems unlikely. It's just more that the Patriots don't have to do, might not have to do anything to get him. That's why it's not shocking because of where they're positioned at. All right. There's something I want to talk about with the New England part of this. And then I want to talk about one other thing that I, I want your opinion on how you think it might affect Justin Fields in this draft. And we'll do that next on Buckeye Talk. Doug Lamarie, Stephen Means, Nathan Baird. Make sure you're trying the text if you never have. 614-350-3315. It's a 14-day free trial. We'll be texting out stuff, you know, around the draft this week, other things, you know. Keep it fun. Keep it light. Keep it interesting. Keep it analytical. Drop a review. I don't know. I haven't looked at the reviews. I, I, I think I've said this before. I must be in the mood to possibly have people make fun of us. I was doing this the other day, and I just want to say this, and I'm going to stop talking about it. I finally finished the last chapter of the book, like six weeks after the deadline, which was a deadline that had already been pushed back two months. So I'm sure I don't know if book publishers can fire people. I would have been fired if that was allowed. I made it. I, 
you know, there's a little editing and stuff to do, but I'm not, I don't have to write anymore. And so like I ran today for the first time in four months, there are burden has been lifted. It's a lovely burden, but it's a little crazy. And September 14th is the publication date of when that baby should be hitting the newsstands. And uh, then I'll be talking about it again, but I'm going to shut up about it for now. But I don't even know why I said that, but it's like, I'm going to start texting more because I haven't been texting enough lately because like this thing has been going on so much. But, oh, I told my wife the other day when I was writing, I was finishing up like 60% of writing is preparing yourself to write. It's like when I'm walking around the house, like watching an old friends episode, eating smokehouse almonds. And my wife is like, don't you have a book to finish? I'm like, this is part of the process. What are you talking about? I am mentally preparing myself to sit down and crank this out. I must mentally prepare myself to look at podcast reviews. So I don't know what they look like at the moment. Who knows what people are saying about us, but why don't you jump in there and say some things too? And then make sure you're reading cleveland.com slash OSU because we have all kinds of draft stuff going up right now. So two things. One is I think, and I didn't ask Phil this, Phil Perry, great guy. Man, he's a great guy. Barely, I don't know him at all. I just met him one time on, on a TV thing. He's really new, smart about the Patriots. I think that people, I think regular people like don't like the Patriots because be, he's been so, they've been so successful. And you might admire Bill Belichick, but I'm not sure that there's like a million like football fans of other teams who are like, I love Bill Belichick. You know, he's a little bit like, you know, Emperor Palpatine or whatever, right? It's like, hey, you know, you got to respect him for destroying the galaxy, but you don't really like him. It would be a little strange to me if Justin Fields like falling in the Patriots laps, like is what continues the dominance of this franchise that everybody hates. Like he's the new, like, are you freaking kidding me? They got the best quarterback ever in the sixth round. And now they got this guy fell in their laps at 15. Listen, it's just sports and people have fun and, it's about Justin's life, whatever. Nathan, there's a little bit of part of me that is like, man, I don't necessarily want like Justin Fields to become like part of the evil empire because the Patriots luck into a quarterback that they had no right lucking into. Yeah, and this is where we get, I think, a little bit of crossover maybe in our our fan bases and our our listenership because I I, I um I know someone who I talk to pretty much once a week, and he said. Uh, recently to me i think he's a he's an ohio state fan i think he's a browns fan and he's just like if justin fields falls to the patriots like i'm just done like i'm just gonna throw up and, and maybe never watch the nfl again like what like because or maybe he's a Bengals fan maybe, i can't remember but he's some kind of ohio nfl fan and like the thought of now new england just getting to sit back and let what not that long ago again was the consensus number two not just quarterback, maybe number two consensus player in this draft fall all the way down to them and they just get to kind of reset and start over. I think that makes a lot of people out there pretty queasy. And they have the perfect mentor for him too. I mean, everybody in the world has been comparing Justin Fields to Cam Newton since he was 16 years old. He was his counselor at a camp, one of the first high-profile camps Justin went to that was his coach. And they've got a pretty good relationship already. I mean – what better way to bring Justin along in the best franchise in the last 20 years than to, hey, get mentored by the former MVP that everybody thinks you're going to be. And I can't, can you imagine if you're a Jets fan like in five years and it's like, hey, Jets, remember when you had the second pick? How'd your quarterback work out? I'm like, well, uh, he wore a headband and he was really good against uh, Wyoming. We thought he was going to be good. And the Patriots are like, yeah, no, no. We took the five-star guy who, who kicked Clemson's butt, yeah. We took him. So I'm preemptively worried for Jets fans. I, I do want to say, like, there's people out there, and Daniel Jeremiah, who I talked to last week, is one of them, who think that the um, criticism of Justin Fields and the fact that he could be plummeting this way doesn't make sense. There are definitely a lot of people out there who think taking Mac Jones over Justin Fields is insane. But some of those same people would take Wilson and would take um, Lance over Fields. So it's 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 not that cut and dry. I mean, there's there are definitely people out there who are who are Justin Fields defenders, but who think that Lance and Wilson are equal or better. And and like those things, I think that's a good point you make, Nathan, because I think a lot of times when we thought about them, we've thought of them as like 
Like something's so, wrong. Like, people think something's wrong with Justin, so they're elevating these other ones. Right. Mm-hmm. Where they just might, and that the idea is like, well, these other guys are good, but why then aren't teams jumping up to say like, oh, well, then we'll go get Justin because like there's so many good quarterbacks in this draft. Justin Fields might be the fifth quarterback taken, but my God, he's so good. We've got to go get him at eight. We've got to go take him in the top 10. We can't just let him fall. Well, I wonder if that kind of almost did happen. And that's why San Francisco traded up to three. Maybe there was somebody else. They probably weren't bidding against themselves. There's probably somebody else maybe who wanted to trade up to three, maybe to get involved with this. And San Francisco jumped ahead. Now, whether they were doing it to take Fields, Lance or, or Jones, that remains to be seen. They may have been doing it to take their own guy for their own reasons, but somebody trying to trade up to three to get Justin Fields might've been involved in that too. Uh, Seth Galina is a guy at PFF that I like and that I follow. And I'm not here to rip kids, but I'll read other people who are ripping kids. <laughs> Fuck ah, we told you everything. This is just, we may as well just have read Twitter to you. So now I'm going to literally read Twitter to you because that's what this whole podcast is. I'm not sure there's been a first round quarterback in a cushier situation than Zach Wilson 2020 since blank. The tape is unbelievably fake. And the PFF final quarterback draft rankings and PFF analyzes things in sort of a very specific way, right? In a very analytical data-driven way. They're not necessarily just going to go by traits or whatever, but they're going to go by what they go by. Their final rankings are one Trevor Lawrence, two Justin Fields, three Trey Lance, four Zach Wilson, five Kellen Mond. And I don't even know where Mac Jones is. Maybe they are going by traits. They're like, oh, yeah, that guy. Because they'll tell you, hey, like, hey, this, you know, RPOs is kind of throws. There's a lot of stuff that, as, and we've talked about that on this podcast, that Justin didn't have as many easy throws as a lot of other people in this draft. So here's the last thing that I want to bring into play. The, the next quarterback draft, I think, does have some influence on the current quarterback crop. Because if you are a team, right, and you're like, well... You know, I don't know. Like, say you're the Eagles, right? And it's or like, the Lions. Well, I think the Lions is the fault. That's a very, you know, like, hey, maybe we don't need it right now. Why don't we wait? We'll stink. We can move up. Here are the guys that are the most likely candidates to be the quarterbacks in the 2022 NFL draft. And the thing that we always have to keep in mind is there's always somebody that jumps up out of nowhere. I mean, nobody was talking about Zach Wilson a year ago. So there's somebody. That is not on anybody's radar. This going to be a first round pick a year from now. We know that, but we have to go by the way NFL teams are probably thinking about it right now. If you're the lions, if you're the Eagles, if you're a team that's on the fence about, should we jump up and get Justin now? Okay. Sam Howell, North Carolina. And I'm reading from a college football news list that they made. They had Sam Howell one Stevens guy, Spencer Rattler at number two. At Oklahoma, right? Five-star guy. Certainly has a chance to have a great year. Great third year this season. JT Daniels, the former USC quarterback, now at Georgia. Might get it done. Might be a guy that really leaps up. Certainly possible. Keaton Slovis, USC. Another talented dude, right? Hasn't shown it necessarily completely yet. Shown flashes. This guy, I don't get. There was another list that I saw that had him projected as the number one pick next year. And I don't even know how to say it. Nathan, I think you would know. The guy from Oregon who transferred, the guy who was supposed to play against maybe Ohio State this season that got can- uh, canceled, but he transferred to Texas Tech. Tyler Schuff, Schauf, Schof, S H O U G H, Schof. I saw WalterFootball.com. Listen, I mean, these guys do the best they can. I get it. They had him as the number one pick in the 2022 draft from Texas Tech. This list has a number five, right? Um, number six, Carson Strong, Nevada. Frankly, I don't know who that is. Um, And then like this one guy, this Matt Corral guy, I know is somebody from Old Miss that some people are high on. So so here's my point. Oh, and Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati, who Pete Thamel from Yahoo Sports, I think has a big story out about. He's a guy that could have gone, stayed at Cincinnati for this year, might pop. Here's here's the thing I'm saying. Justin Fields might be the fifth quarterback taken in this draft. At the moment, Tyler, shoot, what, shuff, shoof? Shelf, shelf, show or shoe, shoe. show or shoe, show, show, Tyler S. Tyler S. is projected as the fifth quarterback in the 2022 draft. 
there's no comparison, right? Like the guy who transferred from Oregon to Texas Tech is like, I don't know, I guess he might be fit versus the guy who's who's been neck and neck with, with Trevor Lawrence his whole career. There's always going to be somebody who pops. Sam Howell's a really good prospect. I get it, right? Keen Slovis might be great. If Rattler comes out after three years, maybe he's a guy. I get it. I guess, no, he'd be four years, right? No, he'd no be he's three. three. Years, right? Yeah. Because he, he, but he redshirted, right? So last year was the first yeah. year he played. Where should have started, but he's 2019. So, recruiting class, so, yeah. so I get it. But Nathan, there is a part of me that thinks this is a decently deep draft class. Mac Jones jumping up, Trey Lance jumping up, Zach Wilson jumping up. If, if it's what you said, Nathan, that it's not that Justin Fields is not good and maybe there is somewhat too much criticism, but a lot of people still do like him. He might be getting pushed down by a couple people who jumped up. If you are the Lions or the Eagles, I think I'd rather go. Like if, if Justin Fields is sitting here, Justin Fields, who many years would be the number two pick in the draft. If he's there at six or seven or eight or whatever, it might be your time to go because you might be getting the number five quarterback off the board in this draft who might be as good as the second quarterback off the board in 2022. And that has affected my thinking and that affected why I am thinking about somebody going up to get Justin because I'm not sure next year is going to be as good. And it's why I think Steven might be right that the Lions would potentially just take him there. I think the Goff situation is he might have two years left on his deal. Mm -hmm. It doesn't hamstring them as much. The team that I don't envy right now is Atlanta. You have a ton of money tied into an aging quarterback. You're picking number four for a reason. And you either have to pass up on the hometown kid who five years from now could be one of the best in the league and people are looking back at you like, what the heck did you guys do? He was sitting right there. But if you take him and now it hamstrings you financially and he's got to sit for a while and you're passing up on other legitimate, like there's some other really good players at four pits and chase and whoever. So or Sewell, I guess even, I don't, I don't, I haven't really seen them tied to Sewell, but it's just, I feel like they are really in a weird spot and they're another team I think could potentially trade down, but the impact guys that they could get it for are so huge. I don't know that they feel like they can do that either. Yeah, that's rough. I, I, I considered that too. Maybe Atlanta trades down, so at least they get some assets that they can use in the in the future just in case they do just want to go ahead and take the hometown kid and call it a day. But it's just – But I feel like they're I, stuck with Ryan and they have to go get assets yeah, now to help him. Right. And the weapons – Because they're going to lose Julio Jones eventually too. Right. The weapons that they would be giving up the trade down are just too valuable to give up, given the fact that your quarterback and your best wide receiver are both over the age of 30 and you're paying them a lot of money. Here's the two things that again, to reiterate, I couldn't be less informed. I couldn't know less. You could, be, just, you could be less informed. I'm a Falcons I mean, fan, I mean, so I know a little bit there, but I still I mean, I read it all on Twitter. I couldn't know less. But here's what I'm thinking. Detroit just got rid of everybody. Brad Holmes is a new GM. Dan Campbell's a new coach. Chris Spielman's in that front office now. They're all new, which means what? They've got a little time. They're not desperate. They can wait. Atlanta just whacked everybody. They fired the coach. They fired the GM. Arthur Smith is a new coach. He's an offensive mastermind. You know what they got? They got a little bit of time. They can take Kyle Pitts. They can try to see how Pitts elevates Matt Ryan. Ride out Matt Ryan for a little bit. Arthur Smith has some time. The Bears are out of time. The Bears guys are going to get fired. The Broncos are a little bit out of time. Everybody thinks Vic Fangio is like a really smart coach on the defensive side of the ball. Drew Locke sucks. They've got to figure out quarterback, right? I'm looking at people who don't have as much time. Coupled with people who are like, man, I don't like, I don't know what the quarterbacks are going to be like next year anyway. And I don't even know if I'm going to be here next year. And I just think somebody like that will jump. And maybe it's just Denver taking him at nine, right? Maybe it's the bears jumping up. I'm really, and the other thing that, that is, I think is interesting. And I, I think I mentioned this before. I'm maybe putting too much into Ryan day relationships, but Ryan day knows Matt Nagy a little bit. I think Ryan day Matt knows Matt rule pretty well. Carolina traded for Sam Darnold. They traded a second round pick for Sam Darnold. I think Matt Rule and Ryan Day could just be sitting around talking about how, like, it's nuts that everybody's, like, letting Justin Fields fall. And it's like, all right, well, what the heck? We traded a second rounder for Sam Darnold, but th let's take Justin anyway. 
and then let's have them both. And then let's see what happens. And if we develop them both, listen, we got to get a quarterback. And are you sure? Like, I think a lot of people like took Carolina out of the quarterback derby. Once they traded for Sam Darnold, it's like, why are you sure that Sam Darnold is good? It's a flyer. But if Justin Fields falls in your lap at eight, are you sure you're taking like what? Micah Parsons? Are you kidding me? Like, what are you doing at eight that's going to help your franchise more than Justin Fields if he's there, right? Maybe you auction it, right? If Fields isn't still there, now you're someone's trying to jump up ahead of Denver at nine. Maybe you auction the pick. But the idea of like Carolina just sitting there and being like, okay, we'll take Rashawn Slater, I just think is really? That's the best you could do in that spot? So I, I'm not ruling out Matt Rule with Ryan Day sitting on his shoulder saying like, I'm telling you, man, I'm telling you, man, I'm telling you, man, this is it. I don't think that's impossible either. If I, if there was a bet to make, I would bet Justin Fields goes before nine or earlier, right? I would bet that, but I wouldn't bet my house. So Steven, is that like, I don't know if, if again, we're, we all picked him there. We all, are you, you know, what degree of certainty you're blank percent certain Steven that Justin Fields goes nine or earlier. 75 just because of what the quarterback situation is next year and the teams who are in the six through 10 spots. But then that other 25%, I'm not going to be caught off guard if it happens. Nathan, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's yeah probably about, I would go at least 70% just because I Denver doesn't have so much invested in Drew Locke that they can't walk away already. Oh, he stinks. And he's, he's a, a second nine, rounder. So he, he's, he's terrible. And you can really you can say that about six through nine. Literally, it's he's our quarterback, but we'll we'll clearly take a better option if we can find one. So just I made my little list because I like talking about quarterbacks in the NFL. These are the teams that I put down as like they don't know who their quarterback is and where they're picking in this draft. So it's teams that could just take the guy or could jump. I have Denver at seven, Carolina at eight. I'm sorry. Detroit at seven, Carolina at eight, Denver at nine, the Giants at 11. Daniel Jones stinks, but I think they're going to try to give him a weapon and see what happens. Philadelphia at 12, New England at 15, Washington at 19, which is like, if you you want to give Ohio State fans a team to root for, if you're going to tell me that Washington's going to jump with one of the best young defenses in the league, (laughs) headlined by Chase Young and Terry McLaurin as your best skill guy, and you want to tell me Washington's the one that jumps to seven gives a gives a future first to seven to get to Detroit spot to take him. I'm listening to that too. I think that is not impossible. They have Ryan Fitzpatrick as a stopgap that they signed, but they have no long-term answer at quarterback and they just failed on Dwayne, but I hope it's a different regime. First of all, and I hope everybody in Washington is smart enough to know, okay, great. They went to the same college. They're not the same quarterback. I'm on alert. I'm a little on alert for, I like Washington that. as well. I kind of like that just because also, I mean, the, the regime that's there now never, they didn't draft away and they didn't want him in the first place. This regime would be wanting Justin Fields if they jumped up to do that. And I don't think it's a great comparison, but to your point about Cam and the fact that he has been compared to Cam, who's the guy in Washington right now? The guy who coached Cam Newton his whole career, mm-hmm. Ron Rivera. Chicago at 20, obviously I made my point on that. And then New Orleans at 28. And like, again, just wait for like a front office to be like, screw it. Three, you know, two extra firsts. New Orleans jumps from 28 to eight. And all of a sudden they have Drew Brees' replacement because the moment they're trying to see if it's Jameis Winston. And then you have the two teams that I think have a quarterback that's getting on the older side. Maybe they would take a Atlanta at four, maybe Vegas at 17 with Derek Carr. I think you've read things that John Gruden's maybe been poking around a little bit. Maybe they would see an opportunity and jump if they think there's a chance to get there. And again, I don't know that the divisional stuff matters a lot, but it's like, if you're the Raiders and it's like, all right, do we want to play against Justin Fields? If Denver takes him at nine, or do we want to have Justin Fields? And we'll jump from 17 to eight with Carolina and we'll pick him and we'll give up two seconds to do it. I just think somebody's going to jump. I would bet on, he goes in the, in the first nine and I would bet on he's drafted by a team that trades up to get him. We won't go into this much depth on Pete Warner and Sean Wade and Josh Myers and Baron Browning and everybody else, but we will do a version of this to get on the record with our picks before Thursday's draft. We'll do that on the big Wednesday podcast. Every other Buckeye in here, I'm going to send out stuff to the texters so we can get their opinions. We are focusing on the draft. 
We appreciate you guys hanging out and talking about Justin Fields. Make sure you keep reading cleveland.com slash OSU all this week as we continue to write about the current Buckeyes and what's happening with the Buckeyes in this NFL draft. For Nathan Baird and Stephen Means, I'm Doug Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk. Buckeye Talk.